From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 216, and today I'm joined by film critic and reviewer Jason Gorber. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch The Black Hole. Uh, I'm Jeremy. I have not seen this film. And I'm here with... Jason Gorber. And I have seen this film many, many times. It's a beloved film of mine. I'm so happy to be doing The Black Hole on Black Hole. It's it's, it's a funny, weird uh, coincidence. I actually didn't... like. This is one that that escaped my entire childhood. I hadn't heard of it until you mentioned it to me. Actually, I think you mentioned to me around the same time I got Disney Plus, and so I'd seen it just in the in the menu of things to watch. But I still, because it happened around the same time, I purposely looked into nothing about it because I wanted to just stay clean of it. Like, I don't know cast. I don't know. I know it's like a sci-fi movie, mm-hmm. and that, that's about all I know. All I will say is that I mean you know it's Disney because it's on Disney yeah and it and it came out in 1979 that's almost that, critical. Know, those are the two things I know. It's, it's right. a, it follows on the heroes of Star Wars. Exactly, and we we will go on about that. But what it was when uh, everybody knows that when Star Wars came out, nobody was expecting Star Wars. Star Wars came out in May '77, and Canada came out in June '77. Nobody had a clue. At Christmas 1977, you could get a cardboard. Literally a cardboard sheet saying, hey, we'll promise to mail you action figures by yep. April. Right? My, like the, my the brother-in-law has that sheet still. <laughs> there you go. So, so, but but by the time Disney kicked in for their first PG film that was science, sci-fi related right in, in this area, they knew they were going to go for it. So as a kid, I didn't have Star Wars wallpaper. I didn't have all this. I had black hole wallpaper. I had all this black hole nonsense. Absolutely. There are black hole puzzles. There are black hole t-shirts. So the merchandising by the time the movie landed was absolutely in place. And so it, it's a near and dear to my heart, but also has a strange correlation between them thinking it was going to be a much bigger hit than it ended up being. Well, clearly, but also it's like just because it you you got to realize too that because it came out just two years after, like this thing was rushed to to market, you know, because nobody. Go ahead. We'll, 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 we'll talk about all of that. There's lo- there's lots of really interesting things. Yes, it was post-Star Wars, but it's really interesting what it actually ties to other films that it was trying to rip off and then change to be much more Star Warsy. Ah, okay. Well, I don't know. I, I literally know nothing Perfect. about it. So maybe we should just just dive in because that way I can stay as fresh as possible. Perfect. Let's dive into the black hole. All right. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right. So we just finished. Uh, <laughs> I, have qu- I have questions about your childhood. Isn't, <laughs> isn't that 
insane that yeah. that was children's entertainment in 1979? That was no, there's no way that was intended for children. 100%. It was rated PG. Sure. It was the yeah. first Disney film yeah. ever PG, but it was rated PG because they said damn and hell a couple times. Yeah, I read, I read that. And also, it was, wasn't this like what they used to launch Touchstone? Uh, no, it's Buena Vista Pictures. I don't know if it was actually touched on. It might have been touched on. I might be wrong about that. But yeah, it it look, it was so clear that they were riding the Star Wars wave on this, on a lot of things. But look, let's 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 step back a little bit because I think we have to contextualize this. This is obviously I saw this before I saw Alien. I saw this before I saw 2001. Um yeah. I saw I saw this as this the space film. And I've always been fascinated by two things. The films that existed just before Star Wars. You watch Logan's Run as the big studio sci-fi film. And it's so crazy about how kind of ridiculously awful it is, but kind of amazing at the same time. And then all the stuff that all the studios lost their mind, like, oh, my God, sci-fi suddenly big again. And so you get the alien in 1979. You get Blade Runner soon after. You get the thing. You get all these elements that are drawing from this. Um, But, yeah, you have Black Hole, which, again, I'm telling you, I had... I had bed sheets that were black hole. I had wallpaper, like a strip of wallpaper. It was sold absolutely as a Disney thing. But what was like the artwork on that stuff? Cause it's like, there's like outside of Vincent, there's not, and, and I guess the ship, there's not a lot of like, and, and the robots, I guess like the weird yeah. human, art, like, there's not a lot of uh, like great imagery that you would associate with sci-fi normally. It, it, it's the stuff. It's the fact that there were these wild spaceships. And again, long before I ever saw anything that uh, people like Giger designed for Alien, I saw the amazing stuff that Peter Ellenshaw and the people that were doing. So Peter Ellenshaw was a production designer on this. His father, Harrison Ellenshaw, is one of the great um, matte painters in Disney history. Uh, like incredible, incredible um, um the Ellen Shaws have this amazing legacy in Hollywood. And so you have this fantastic sort of mm. weird mix between something that feels like the most bizarre and black um, uh, uh, Star Trek movie ever. And on the other hand, this like sweeping epic thing um, all done. Look, I love everything from the guns being these sort of two-fingered things. I would walk around and, like, play with friends and, like, make my hands sort of like the uh, the devil horn hands, and that's what you're shooting, and pretend that you're a star. Um, uh, The the weird little robots that clearly are from Silent Running that then became R2-D2, that then became Vincent and Bob. There's so many echoes and references. The ending obviously echoes 2001. Yeah. But, man, that, that final image... Of 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 um, Maximilian Shell and Maximilian the robot literally becoming one freaked the hell out of me as a kid. Like what? Walk me through the ending and what it's like. Because that point, I was just sitting there, kind of just in shock of everything. Yeah. Um, how, how, how does the, one read that ending? <laughs> that's just it. It's like well, just the whole, everything from just like them going into the black hole, like that that camera effect thing they did with like that stuttering camera thing. That was just like oof. This is and so I I watch it now and realize that I that's how I could understand two thousand one in a weird way. Yeah, right? is that 
it's so funny. We we look. You and I watch too many movies, but but it. I'm always fascinated about how people come to certain things, about what order they take things. Sure. Um, right. I, I've always said for years. Thank God I saw Reservoir Dogs when I saw Reservoir Dogs when I did, so that I didn't spend the entire movie just checking off the references that Quentin was making. I saw it as this amazing thing, and that made me dive into other things. Right? Wasn't mm-hmm. that cynical? I'm watching this. I'm thinking, oh, it's just this. It's just this. It's just that. So when I saw this, I'm like, it's a movie in theaters about spacey stuff. Great. Um, it's only subsequent when I watch this again. I'm like, oh my god, this is the first time I would have seen that kind of camera effect. The first yeah. time I would have seen something approaching, like it turns into a Ken Russell film at the end. Right? Um, it's just a super wild notion, and it gets down to that. There's this core of religiosity to the whole thing that somehow going through the black hole gets you either to hell or to heaven and that you're either going to be responding to um, some sort of future whereby the good will survive and the evil will be destined into hell. It's a, it's a somewhat literally, I mean, when you're watching it this time and you notice that the sort of um, the 2001 like slit screen thing that they're, they're traveling through is obviously Gothic arch. Like it's this weird messianic, uh, Christian imagery at the end of this that obviously when I was a kid I didn't get any of it I'm just like oh my god why is the crazy red robot suddenly have this man trapped inside there's your grand metaphor that literally yeah. Maximilian Shell the actor named Maximilian is now trapped inside for eternity the, his own creation the whole Prometheus Unbound nonsense but, sure yeah but, well, he, but, be, he becomes what he did to the other crew members right Right. And, and it's literally Maximilian becoming Maximilian. And even as a kid, that wasn't lost on me that the big, that here's this actor who I didn't know other than the fact that he's Germanic, which again, as nice Jewish boy has certain connotations. I knew that he was in Holocaust. He's in uh, um, Judgment of Nuremberg is probably his most famous film. But look, before I saw Psycho, this is my Anthony Perkins movie. Yeah, I was just thinking that, like, at what point this falls into, like, Ernest Borgnine and Anthony Perkins' filmography. Yeah, late, but first for me. Why, yeah. why would I have seen any of these guys before this? I wouldn't have. Now, now I, I don't want to dance too much around this, but this started out as a disaster movie, right? Like the original script, the original iteration of this was an early 70s disaster movie. So instead of being airport or any of the million, you know, the things that Airplane eventually made fun of, they were going to do like a disaster movie in space. And why not? And then obviously it changed and changed and changed and became this thing. They narrowed it down so it's basically a crew in a haunted house. So you have all this weird gothic stuff going on that for me just makes it super crazy wild. <laughs> and and I can't explain what it did as a kid, but I'm somebody that had a lot of nightmares and did not love horror films. So I did not spend the 80s. I've, I'm named Jason, and I've never watched Friday the 13th. <laughs> There's another black hole for you. But this film both enthralled me and scared the hell out of me. Mm. And and so it allowed me to love the things I loved about it, but also felt that I was seeing something that was slightly outside of my comfort zone. And that's why this film continues to mean a lot for it. John Barry's score, <laughs> the John Barry doing this amazing repetitive, but this incredible sweeping score. It just felt like a time where movies did this, that they could really, truly shake you to the very core. 
Yeah. It's interesting. I think you're a hundred percent right. Like this is the kind of movie you had to initially see at its time of release, you know, because it's not one of those movies that ages particularly well, you know, <laughs> it doesn't, you know, and, we, we've and, seen a lot that weirdly echo it like in a weird, bizarre way because it's echoing other things that are stolen from, but yeah, absolutely. For sure. But just in terms of like, you know, Definitely, you know, in terms of just like the visual effects, all that kind of stuff, right? Although, you know, for its time, it looks great. You know, there's, there is a lot of great stuff going on, like you mentioned with the matte paintings and even just the, the some of the visual effects stuff. I know that I, one thing I did know about this movie is they like they wanted uh, Lucas's like Dijkstra camera uh, and he wouldn't give it to them or he or the, the terms and rental agreements were just crazy. And so they ended up building their own superior model to to what he had um to do some of the effects because there's a crazy like if you look at it really it's like how many effect shots it's even hard to tell because we're so used to that kind of stuff now but like mm-hmm. back then like it would have been you know up, up to the same probably number of star wars although the thing about star wars is that it's just i mean i don't need to tell you this but it's it's just so much more rooted in in just character and all where it's like this just doesn't feel like what i've always loved about star wars um, is that it feels like an adventure movie that just happens to take place in a galaxy far, so far space away. western, absolutely. Yeah, where this one feels like it's just trying so hard to be sci-fi, and it's just not for me. It's like I watch this and I go, it's outside of like if you were a kid at this age and hadn't seen anything like this on screen, and just being in awe of that. Like I watch it as an adult who still really enjoys and appreciates movies intended for kids, and I just watch it. And I'm like. This isn't fun. <laughs> <laughs> and and yet, uh, this is my first Western, right? Mm-hmm. This, I, I see, um, I, I, I have Bob and Bob's voice. Slim that Pickens. When, so that yeah. when, I, when I finally see Slim Pickens in either Dr. Strangelove or in, in um, Blazing Saddles, I hear part of Bob. Like Fair. the whole notion, like there's so many genre elements that they took in here. So this is my first haunted house movie. This is my first western, and appear like like of this kind of thing. Star Wars is obviously a space western, but I didn't know that at the time. This felt like a western. It's literally like shootouts, you know, that kind of thing. And again, I saw Star Wars when I was five. I saw this when I was oh, was seventy nine, so I was eight ish. Right. So I'm, I was just a little bit older, but I saw this before Empire Strikes Back. So when I'm watching Empire Strikes Back, I'm seeing echoes of black hole in Empire Strikes Back. Right. 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 (laughs) Right. Um, the, the two big Disney things that came, the other one that we could absolutely talk about was Tron, which when I saw Tron, it also messed me up. It also felt that I was touching something that I couldn't, um, grasp. Uh, it be, it made me fascinated with computers, which at the time were just these things that were out there. So, so black hole was just enough sciency stuff that I felt that I was, oh my god, is this? We had just started hearing about black holes, like it just became a thing. Stephen Hawking, what you know, um, brief history of time wasn't on everyone's bookshelves at the time. There's this weird now. We have to say this explicitly. Neil deGrasse Tyson apparently has called this the least scientifically accurate film in the history of cinema. I mean, it is preposterously inanely anti-scientific in terms of everything <laughs> it does. But is it is it genuinely worse than what Star Trek does? 
<laughs> for the most no. <laughs> and here's the thing: is like you don't. As long as you adhere to your own rules, I don't give a shit how fantastical or illogical right. the science or rules of a movie are. As long as the rules stay true to themselves. But when they're freezing and the and the the like like the ceilings going and they're holding each other down from being sucked into space, I I would like to believe that even as a child I'd be like. <laughs> that said, this movie takes place in in twenty one thirty. So you know who knows what we invented the blah blah blah, and exactly. so that makes it so you can do that now. So you can get away with a lot just by setting something in right. in the far future. Um. Yeah, the um, this I think one other thing that I read about this briefly was that this was one of the last this and the first Star Trek were like the last two movies to have an overture. Yeah, yeah, which is super wild. And again, to the point where I'm watching, going like, "Is my what's why is my not why seeing is it anything?" Black? <laughs> yeah. So, so did you skip ahead or did you listen to the whole overture? No, I listened to it. Okay, great. Because I'm a big fan of the overture. Look. Well, here's, here's, yeah, here's, you're a big fan of the Overture because you're a big fan of Star Wars. It's so rip-off-y. Yeah, but Star Wars is Carrion, right? So, I mean, if you want to go back to... Sure, we, sure, we, sure, we, sure, sure. We, we, we can do, and that's it. I saw Star Wars and didn't think, oh, John Williams is ripping off Carrion from um, 1946 or whatever it was. Point is, again, that as a kid, I love this. As a kid, I hated Star Trek the movie. So you think this is long and, <laughs> you know ponderous and you know extensive shots of ships in space you watch star trek um motion picture and you're like robert wise god bless you know editor of citizen kane director of west side story does a sweeping epic in the same year of star trek and and takes this tiny little tv idea and makes it sweeping an epic on the big grand screen and everybody hated it and so what do they do next they did a submarine movie in space and god bless Khan. But I watch Star Trek The Motion Picture now as an adult and get all the poetry and all the sort of sense of wonder and the true sense of what, like, Roddenberry's both his incredible vision and his naivete, like his his, his almost obnoxious childishness when it comes to simpli- simplifying moral, morality. All of that takes the place. Black Hole, when I was a kid, I'm like, man, you got robots with cool two-thing guns that are shooting each other. And a sense of thrill. So it's using the backdrop of being in space to tell essentially, again, a bunch of guys running away from a big spooky monster and the guy, it's a Scooby-Doo episode, right? But with so much talking. Oh my God, there's so much talking. (laughs) So great. It's the most dialogue heavy sci-fi movie ever. Especially when you look at, because it's also, I think, like noted as Disney's most expensive failure. Oh, <laughs> it's amazing. It was so, I would love if that's the case. Like, historically, Disney will never lose money more than this. Ha ha, John Carter, you think you've got it? No. <laughs> like, like, and again, I kind of love John Carter. It's a whole other thing. This is not something that I love simply because it's nostalgic. This is not something I love because I saw it when I was a kid. Blah, blah. I love the hubris of it. And I genuinely think the way the, the fact that they actually have this weird Cicero quoting robot um, and his Western companion and these weird things, but the freaky nature of the, the fact that the humans are turned into slaves is something that really, really struck me. Yeah. I mean, that's as a kid, was that a big, I mean, it, incredible you, revelation. Oh, Incred- but you, you didn't figure that out like from the get go? Absolutely not. I'm like, 
For sure. For sure. Because, A, I hadn't seen a million movies before then, so yeah, you're waiting yeah. for that. Um, even the hints of the guy's limping, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like Maybe it's just limping. Like, I don't... Obviously, it was... 40 whatever years ago um yeah yeah, yeah. fair, the, fair the, i don't know what i didn't know then but i don't remember feeling the entire movie feeling that it was talking down to me i felt that it was above me and i felt that i was being challenged on every level including that ending for sure and that's and that's like one of its blessings too because and because and, it isn't like pandering to kids by any means right you know uh and so that's one of its pluses for sure there's no pop culture references here no there's no there's nothing snarky. No, the closest you get to pandering to kids is with Vincent and Bob. Who, again, I kind of love the idea that you got Roddy McDowell, right? You got this sort of a feet British um, know-it-all and this like beat-to-hell Western um, icon. Um, the, the dynamic, the American Brit, whichever way you want to go, right? Yeah, and, and, and as the person coming to it later in life, all I could view it as was like a poor man C-3PO and Tomator. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, again, I really need to do it, but I've never seen Silent Running, right? So Silent Running is also has like these conical robots one, right? And then obviously Hidden Fortress, I have seen that whole dynamic of it the is. tall right? So... Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to, we're only going to reference Joseph Campbell once. This is non, a non-Cumbellian journey, right? This doesn't have any of the pretense of something that Star Wars did for its flaws and for its benefit, right? Is that it really was a space western and then a World War II movie is what it was, right? Yeah, I um, mean. This yeah, I is mean, trying to be more pure in some ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess just for me, I just I didn't give a shit about any of the characters. I just found them so yeah, for sure, just so flat and kind of like non-existent in a way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like the but, luckily, but she, but she does telepathy to a robot, man. The whole, what, that killed me. What was I blurred? Then it's like send send uh, get the thing to Vincent with your ESP. It's like what. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? Yeah, and and yet you watch fifteen years after this, you get Next Generation. You got like Tasha, who's like, oh, or is this a sad episode? Is this going to be her being an empath? <laughs> like again, it's the same kind of generic, pulpy nonsense. So in weird way, it prepared me for that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I got to tell you the weirdest, weirdest, weirdest correlation of this film. Mm. Have you ever been to Sagrada Familia in um, Barcelona? Do you know about the Gaudi no. church? No, no, no. So it's this church that they've been building for 130 years or whatever that he built. It's considered his masterpiece. And they've literally been constructing it for multiple lifetimes. It just takes that long. And so I've, I traveled to Barcelona and go there and there's all these statues sort of embedded into the wall. And I look at a bunch of them and they're these hooded creatures with this closed off no face and i look up and i realize oh my god this is the design from black hole like i'm looking at one of the literally considered the architectural marvel of the last 400 years of this crazy mad genius that built these plans that at the time they couldn't even be built and now they're finally thanks to technology being built and I see the black hole there. <laughs> so you talk about like connections, like weird things. Yeah. I'm standing there in, in a sea of people looking at this astounding thing. And I'm like, hey, dude, it's black hole stuff. <laughs> and yeah. and so that, and when were those features added 30s, to the church? The okay. 30s? So, so yeah, yeah. 
so someone maybe saw those and, and inspired this movie, you're thinking? Uh, absolutely, but I've never really, with all the religiosity taking place here, with all the elements of clearly sort of Christian morality taking place in the film, I haven't seen anybody who's really gone deep into the iconography of it all. The whole yeah. notion that they, they appear as monks, right? That there's this whole notion of the the prisoners of the uh, satanic overlord are the institutions of religion. Look, I'm diving way into this, more into this film than this film ever needed to be di- dove into. But I, I'm just kind of fascinated that it has these sort of visual elements in the same way that, again, I go back to Ken Russell. There's a lot of Ken Russell in this movie. There's a lot of just bonkers stuff that takes place visually. Well, that's just what's kind of fun about it, too, is that there's just so much going on and none of it is explained uh, <laughs> or probably thought that deeply about, uh, if we're being honest. Um, there's so like, and just even like just, just the, not the, not to trample on Bob and Vincent too much, but just like <laughs> their eyeballs killed me. It's oh my just, God. Like, they're so so, good. <laughs> and I know, and I read up quickly that it's like, they wanted them to do more digitally, but they couldn't get them to work. So they just let them do it. <laughs> but it's like, they're so cartoon like looking, but they're yeah. just so cartoon looking. Yep in a movie where it's just like, there's nothing else like that. So it's just like, they stand out in even such a weirder way. And especially, and that's why it's like, all I could think of was Tomator with uh, Slim Pickens character. Cause, because the eyes are so Pixar-esque, like in just how wide and white they are with like, they look like cartoon characters, right? Inside of this movie that's trying so hard to be like real, real sci-fi, you know? So, so we, for sure, I, I, again, the other thing that this would correlate with for me would be Battlestar Galactica, which again in Canada got a theatrical run. But when, so you're really young and I see Stormtroopers and Darth Vader and, and I was young enough then to not know whether the Stormtroopers were robots Mm. to not know if Darth Vader was like, like, so it was a revelation with Empire spoiler that he was human. Right. That was it wasn't just that, you know, the most evil thing you could imagine became human. That was what happened the year after this. So when you have the the um, well, the, whatever they call him, star. Yeah. yeah. Obi-Wan but, himself says he's more man than machine or more machine than man. Now, I was a kid. You think that yeah. I'm picking up every bloody line. You just see these uh, you see these things and you think that they're just you know, right. There's things. In the suit, so you think of them as robots. Yeah. So when I see black hole, I think of them as robots. When I see Cylons, I think of them. Right. It's the whole thing. There's all these dudes in suits with weird mechanical sounds that you just assumed somehow there was not nobody inside, right, to care about. So, um, Star Galactica, of course, wasn't ever meant to be a theatrical experience, but I saw it in cinema. In Canada, they released the pilot as a film. Um, and uh, obsessed with the sound design of Battlestar Galactica, obsessed with the visual design of Black Hole. Like, those were things that it, it was this incredibly rich time where you would dream about rocket ships and then get to see them on the big screen. As simple as that. So I'm curious because because like, this is a movie, like I said, has had totally escaped my childhood. Like nobody mm. I knew talked about this movie. Yes, so, it died. So oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> but um, but do you come? Do you find being more of the the you know the generation or the age where it was you know out and released? Do you find you have other people that you have this like in common with? No. Or is it or the <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I think there's many. I mean, it's look. I'm, I'm 72. I'm what 10 on you? What, what am I at? 15 years older than you? Where where are we at in the math? I don't want to out you here. I was born but, in 81. There you go. Right. So 81 Raiders. Like I'm seeing Raiders in theater. But nonetheless, in 72. So by the time I'm seeing Star Wars, seven, uh, 77. Right. I'm five-ish. By the time I'm seeing this, by the time I'm seeing again the Trons, the last Starfighters. All of the like has Last Starfighter continued. Have you ever heard of um, Firefox, the helicopter movie that um, he has to control by ESP and has to think in Russian? <laughs> um, there's a bunch of weird movies that came out in the early '80s that were just a thing and then just died. I was shocked when that Tron was not a bigger deal because for me it was a huge deal. It's now become sort of retro in part because of the remakes. Yeah. Now, from what I understand, they were talking about remaking this, and the script was so dark, Disney <laughs> dropped it. And you can just imagine, imagine everybody talks about the, they wanted Hodorowski's Dune. I wanted Hodorowski's Black Hole. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> right? um, and I would watch this 50 times for its story more than I would watch Interstellar. Like, I think Interstellar is just a ridiculous Black Hole movie. I didn't love Interstellar. It's got lots of elements. It's no. It's Nolan has some beautiful yeah, stuff. Sure, but sure. all the black hole bullshit it just drove me crazy. Whereas I love this because this is so nonsensical. You're not spending any of your time doing what the most beautiful line in Looper is. Um, you're not doing diagrams with straws. Yeah. Right. There's very little in this movie. There's for a movie with this much talking, they're not talking about the warp core and the blah 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 and the, how this goes together. They're like he's got anti gravity and it's keeping him in place. And isn't that kind of interesting? Yeah, and you just buy it because yeah, sure they figured it out because yeah. it's not it's because it's also not getting in your way, right? Yeah. I mean, how do, how much do you love that a robot kills the dude from Psycho holding a book of paper holding all these equations? Like, it's just bonkers. Do I think that it is some lost hidden gem needing discovery because everybody didn't realize how amazing it was? Absolutely not. But as a... It's on Disney Plus. On Disney Plus, so it's easy to see now. Sure. But but, But fundamentally, it's this. I think as a product of its time, it's kind of ridiculously amazing. And to show what people were doing... I think this makes Star Wars better. And films like this make Star Wars better because you realize the choices that Lucas made in making Star Wars were weird, bloody choices. Mm. And they worked. Han Solo shows up at 55 minutes in that film, right? They spent a long time of two bloody robots wandering the desert before you meet Luke 26 minutes or whatever in, right? It's to show somebody a new hope now or then Star Wars you are inevitably um, going to find people find it incredibly slow, right? Because it takes its time. But it's not taking its time with just a bunch of people in a room just talking about stuff. No, it's taking its time right. because it's building towards something. It's a much more... I know people are complaining that Seven Samurai is too slow. It's like, okay, whatever. Bullshit. I'm, so, I'm sorry you don't like movies, right? Yeah. It's, and, and so... I mean, I'll tell you this. My, sure. my my son, when he was seven or eight, watched Seven Samurai, and he was with it. He, yeah. he, he so it's like if you like movies, it's not too slow, right? Yeah. And 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 so this is. I think I love the score. 
I think the score is so over the top. It's kind of amazing. I mean, it's like this weird mix of the stuff that he does for James Bond with, with all this sort of grandiose grandiosity of it's busy. John Barry doing John Williams was kind of amazing. I love the design. I love how bad shit it is. Dark. Yeah. And I love that the ending just says, screw it. We're going for it. Well, and just like the, the, the thing that I love that the darkest aspect for me was just like, when they were talking, well, we can't leave all these people behind. And then one was like, "Oh no, they're unsalvageable. Like you just, you basically have to, ki- you have to kill them." It's like, what the fuck? Like you can't even save them. No, you, you, you basically should. You just could should have kept on going. You should have never responded to the stress call. What, what, what? Which James Bond is it? It's the uh, Doctor No with the laser, and he's about to get zapped while he's on the the table. Whichever one it is, that's the Doctor No is the first one. I'm trying to yeah, yeah I can't remember if Doctor No. What, whatever. The point is that when I watch this, obviously I'm looking at like, oh, they're clearly they're going to rescue her while she's wearing her tinfoil hat, literally a tinfoil hat. Um, but that would have been scary for me, right? Like that, I'm watching this thinking, oh my god. Like the thought of having my whole brain get sucked out was crazy. The the revelation of taking off that mask and seeing the the dead body underneath was a jump scare. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's not now. Look, yeah. the 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 most frightened I've ever been in my life in a film is Jaws. I spent a week. I watched it on videotape, and I spent a week thinking that I was finally going to see this film that had freaked everybody out. All I knew about Jaws was that everybody was freaked out. So I literally hypnotized myself to be as scared as I possibly could be. And the part that got me in Jaws is the the the, the severed head that comes out of the boat when he goes scuba diving mm. and the thing pops out. I couldn't breathe. I mean, I, I've said this before that when I watched when I watched Jaws for a month afterwards, I would be in the shower, convinced Jaws was coming out of the shower head. Right? I was a, a, a fragile kid who didn't love being scared, and yet Jaws now is so near and dear to my heart because I see its craft, I see its beauty, I see how it moves me. Black Hole both enthralled me and scared the hell out of me, and excited me, and gave me the sense of wonder all at once and i love so many more films because of my love of black hole black hole doesn't deserve the love i gave to it but it made (laughs) me love things more because i loved black hole that's beautiful right that's that's for that's for me what it is no but that's and that's what's kind of magical about like these like these movies like, like you say like certain movies you see at a certain time and they just mean something to you. Like my favorite film from childhood mm-hmm. is, was Return to Oz. Oh, wow. For reasons that make no fucking sense. And, and again, I love that movie more than that movie deserves my love. There you go. You know? Uh, and, 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 and how I'm, crazy. Did, is that your introduction to Walter Murch? Uh, oh, probably. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? For sure. Yeah. And it's interesting because we did that for uh, one of the seminal episodes of the show. I did like a Wizard of Oz, Return of Oz double feature. Mm-hmm. And all the people who watched Return of Oz was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm I've like, never seen it. Pathetically. Oh. I would lo- I, I, it's, it, not- it's, it's on Disney Plus, I believe. Sure. It's not that I haven't wanted to see it. It's just randomly, it's a film I haven't seen. I didn't grow up with it. It wasn't a thing. But I was obsessed with um, Dark Crystal. Mm. Right, and I, but I went into Dark Crystal as this is the Muppets and Lucas. Right? Oh, me. So, so you got two yeah, yeah. iconic, deeply 
child of seventies things colliding here. Right? And I and I got I, I didn't come to Dark Crystal until I was an adult. I yeah. somehow it, it, even though I was a you know I was a fan of all those things right. somehow they probably just didn't have a copy at the video store I lived near. To be honest with you, because if it was in there, I would have watched it. I watched everything in that store. I got a lot of that when I was a kid. Like, I love this, I love this, and now we have these things together, right? Raiders was Spielberg and Lucas coming together and doing Raiders, right? That was how it was sold. That's what's on the poster. But that's, for me, it felt like a collision of these two things. I was obsessed with the making of it. Dark Crystal, all of that kind of stuff. It's only subsequent. So to put it in perspective, I, if I'm not crazy, it's Peter Allen Shaw did the matte painting that is the, at the time, I, I hope I'm not wrong about this, but he's the end of Raiders matte painting, which at the time was the longest uh, uh, an actual on-glass matte painting was ever done in cinema because of the end credits, mm. right? And it's literally, it's a painting, and it's just a little, um, um, the middle was cut out, and the guy schleps the arc and then turns left, and he's literally going into the, where the paint goes, basically. That's what wipes him out around the corner. Right. So this is, when I, when I see Planet of the Apes, the original films, they don't do much for me because it came out before me, right? Speaking of McDowell. There's lots of, to love about them. I love, I love, love, love the whole notion that they tried to end the series with a second one, and then somehow they brought back the third one. It's how I get away with Fast and the Furious. You know, like you've ended the series, and suddenly there something else has happened. So there's all these things that absolutely came just before me that I don't have as much sort of emotional resonance with. But Black Hole Man, <laughs> there's something about the giant red robot that just looks pissed off that just you know eats of my soul it's as simple as that the design on that is amazing and that for me is more iconic in some ways than the alien in alien which i saw much later mm -hmm. my introduction to alien Spaceballs. my introduction to hello my baby hello my darling yeah the chest bursting scene was the parody i'm horrified by people who learn about star wars from the lego games right from people who only know it forget references of references it's the pastiche the, the comedy of it so alien was ruined for me Susan Kane was ruined for me in a weird way not ruined but I knew that the sled was on Spielberg's desk he has one of the three he has like the ashes of the death uh, of the sled on his desk so when you go into these things, knowing these things, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted you to see something that I think superficially is shit, <laughs> but has moments that are quite stunning that do, I think, hold up. And just to see this time capsule before things changed in blockbuster cinema, this is what they were, they were super experimental and they were still trying to do something just to make people's heads hurt a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting because it is like it, it, it's it's almost unfortunate because you like, like you've said and I've said on this already that it's like it, it's so intentionally and clearly like following in the footsteps of, of being like a cash grab from from Star Wars. But it's like it's but clearly it had been like you said, it had been being developed anyway, apart from that. And it's almost like they tried too hard to tap into some of the cliched Star Wars stuff and tropey stuff or try to create the tropes mm -hmm. uh, outside of the originality of Star Wars. 
to the point where it's like it's almost that's its detriment where it's just like it was trying too hard to like find similarity where it was like you kind of had your own unique thing going on lean into that more right you know but that's, that's that's any you know anything that comes after a major success that's kind of like trying to imitate or, or follow the heels of it's almost inevitable that you fail in that so it's, it's just it's just too bad that they because i think you know they're you know, this movie could have done something if it hadn't have tried to have been so much a slave to that. I am, as, as I said before, I am fascinated by the whole notion. Look, 20th Century Fox had no goddamn idea that Star Wars was going to be Star Wars. No. Oh, uh, no. Nobody wanted it. It was only Alan Horn Jr. who had the chutzpah to do it and almost got fired for okaying it. Yeah, we're we're um, reading. I'm reading the, that that um, Paul Duncan book, the the Star Wars Archives, with my son right now. Um, and we and we just it's finished amazing. The, and we just finished the chapter on the New Hope, and they're starting uh, Empire, where he's like, "I'm paying for it myself. Fuck all you people." So, so I, I, some of truly let your listeners know, there's the making of Star Wars Empire and Jedi, and also the making of the uh, indie um, trilogy that are done, there are these hardcover books that are the most exquisite and detailed and poignant visions of what filmmaking was like in the 1970s that happened to be about Star Wars. And so the, the archives book is great, but this is like deal memo nonsense, like getting into the nitty gritty and the sense of just absolute, forget the dismissal, just the, the putting yourself into not knowing that this would be an, um, uh, success and the people who out of sheer lunacy thought it would be but what i'm getting at with the films like afterwards this happened and then suddenly a whole bunch of executives are like oh my god what do we got in the shelves like what do we have here going to the bottom of the pile what have i rejected and that's where you get everything from obviously blade runner doesn't exist without star wars Obviously, uh, you know, the obvious ones, the Trons, the Battlestar Galactics, this film. But you, you, you wouldn't have Alien. You, you just would not have had it in the same way. Everything that Alien doesn't do that Star Wars doesn't, doesn't do because of Star Wars. Everything, suddenly, there was this cultural touchstone that you're either reacting against it directly. You're making a space film that wasn't Star Wars. Or you're making a space film that was sort of Star Warsy. After that, and these these are the films. Yeah, no, and even even the episode that will have aired just before this episode, mm -hmm. uh, I did uh, Life Force. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so much Starman, right? Like like so, so all these things are eighty. No, <laughs> yeah, well, that's a whole other thing. Um, but but I just think that there was a like directly from seventy seven to eighty two, I think that you have a good dozen projects that were fundamentally scurrying mm. and either trying really hard to make its own way or really hard to recapture the magic. And some of them some of them managed, some of them didn't. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And this one. This is absolutely of its time. I don't think anybody's like, I love when I, I mean, I would love people in conventions to be dressed as members of this, right? Like, <laughs> like, like, I think that Spaceballs is so much more mainstream than Black Hole. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, just nobody gives a damn about this film. And, and I love 
It is not the thing. I don't love it because it's esoteric. I love it, as I said, because of what where it led me. I love it for the voyage it took me on. And it 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 scared the hell out of me and it thrilled me and it uh it exploded my imagination in ways that very few films do. And I have a more visceral memory in some ways of this film than I do almost anything that I saw during the era. Absolutely. I remember I remember just loving this film so, so much. And now when I watch it, it's like I see what I loved in it. It's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. That was that was exactly me with Oz, uh, the return to Oz. Like I watched that movie so many I rented the movie so many and I didn't see it in the theaters. I rented it and I went back and I re-rented it every weekend for like months and they eventually just gave it to me. They're like, just keep it. No one else is renting. But the same thing, it thrilled me and it terrified me because that movie has darkness in it. Like the way that the Oz books, I remember the Oz books had too, where they just, there's creepy stuff in there that the MGM 1939 musical just glosses over and makes technicolor and beautiful and vibrant. Yeah, the film where they kill a woman for like land a house on her and they're still dialing down the darkness. Yeah, yeah, and she's the bad guy. Um, But the the books always had this weird, this like really like really light darkness to them. Like just like there's in passing phrases, like the darkest thing you're like, what the fuck did Frank Obama just write? (laughs) and 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 what you know they did in that one despite its its flaws that i can now see uh they tap into they tap into the tone of oz far stronger than the mgm 39 musical ever did i think this is incredibly critical in 1979 we did not have access to home video i saw this film once yeah i had the picture books because it was disney you had stuff. You had the flip books, you know, with the 45, and then they would tell you the little story, and then when you bring, and then you and, turn and the, the page. Re- and the record, yeah. You had the record, right? The little record, the little 40, um, the, uh, it's a 33 RPM, but it's a seven-inch record. And then I had stuff. So I had the iconography. I saw it once. It messed me up. And then it was in my imagination that this film grew. That it changed, that it, it some of its worst parts softened and some of its greatest parts um, were remembered. That that I remembered that there was no delineation for me between the stormtrooper and between Star. There wasn't. It wasn't like one was the the cheap version, right? There wasn't. It was only years later that you sort of start delineating this stuff. And, and and again, I think that's impossible for people to actually recognize any kind of fandom now is that you would see these things once and then it was these ancillary things, which is so we can make fun of marketing. God bless Mel Brooks and <laughs> Spaceballs doing it, merchandising. But there was something to be said about these films just kicking your ass at the right time in your life and then you living with them. And that's no. all you had. But I remember that as a child, even just like, you know, I grew up, you know, uh, in the era where we did, you know, have a VCR in our house pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even like, you know, it was still that era where when a movie came out in the theaters, it was a while before it came out on VHS. So it's still like to your point where you said in the marketing it percolated, stuff, it per- yeah, percolated. You have to remember and talk about it amongst your friends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you remembered things differently than, than how they were. Or you begged your parents to go back and see it again. Now, I remember my cousin going to see, like, Batman in the theaters 12 times that summer, you know, uh, the, when it came out and, 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 and whatnot. But it's just, like, I remember that, like, that really just, like, that long wait for it to end up on VHS. And then even, like, the longer wait after before you could own your own copy because back in the A, where, where you know, 
it was a hundred, two hundred dollars for the the video store to buy their copy, and then you know for own purchase copies came out you know six months to a year after that. I had several birthday parties that consisted of going to the library, renting a CED player, pre VHS, the ones that it's literally vinyl record to do movies, and watching. We watched um, Top Secret and History of the World Part One, and it was probably. 35 years afterwards that I got the joke of the title of History of the World Part 1. That, of course, is Part 1 because Part 2 is never ends. Like, it's just such a, it's such a thing that is just sort of baked in. I didn't even get some of the jokes. And yet, transformative film for me. Yeah. <laughs> Top Secret transformative film because it, I was watching it at home in the comfort with my friends and all that stuff. And then you have stuff like Black Hole, which I saw... You know, the sound would have not been particularly amazing back then. It would have been fine post-hours, maybe stereo, hopefully. But there was a sense of scope. Since, I mean, the, the opening title, I kind of love. <laughs> the, the sort of um, the grid matrix, the nonsense that sort of d- d- dips into the black hole. There's, there's these, these tiny little touchstones that I remember just being enthralled by. Everything. and just never saw anything that I knew that you could do that in cinema. And now I look back, I'm like, this is not a very good version, but it's still kind of beautiful. No, but it, like you said, it opened up the door to magic for you. And that's, yep. you know, and that's, and as a child who's just like, you know, prepared for that, you know, it would a, what a gift. Made me love movies. Oh, well that, that is a beautiful note to go out on Jason. Well, thank you. It, my uh, absolute pleasure. Thank you for everything. Um, you've done with the podcast. It really means a lot as, uh, as, as the token that shelfer, uh, it really means a lot that, um, we've, uh, sort of uh, connected with this and I've been bugging you long enough to watch this film. So genuinely you are fulfilling a dream of mine of sharing this film with one lunatic. And that's, that's all the matter. And here's the thing is there is absolutely no way I would, I would have appreciated this film as much had I not watched it and then talked to you. So So thank you for like, you know, taking the jaded sheen off of me as I watch this, you know, with 40 years advanced knowledge of movies and go, I'm pretty good about watching a movie within the context of its time. Uh, But, uh, but so I appreciate you and your love for this movie. Let's find something else to shit on. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank Thank you, my friend. Thanks, buddy. Let's all go to the Thanks for joining me for The Black Hole. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.